Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Psalm 34 and reading for our text, verse 5. Psalm 34 and verse 5. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Psalm 34 and verse 5. We read the two portions we have this evening. The first portion was what David was going through when this psalm was written, or immediately after it. We have that reminder over the top of the psalm, the psalm of David, when he changed his behaviour before Abimelech or Achish, he drove him away and he departed. David was in fear of his life. He'd actually got the sword of Goliath in his hand and he'd gone to the Philistines and they recognised him and he knew that he could easily have lost his life at that time. And this is what then was going on in his soul. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him and saved him out of all his troubles. He proved this, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And it is a reminder that in the book of Psalms we have the experience of the heart. What is going on inside God's children while they are walking through things outwardly. We might see someone and we see what they're going through outwardly, but we cannot tell what's going on in their hearts. We cannot tell their fears, their prayers, their cries, but God can and God does know. And we know that the Lord has joined all things to work together for good to them that are the called according to his purpose. And those all things are things in providence, outwardly, in David's case, it was what he was going through then. It was used to bring about this deliverance and bring about this psalm. And if we are the Lord's, we will notice this and should notice and watch providence and watch how our hearts are in these things. We read in Hebrews 12 that those that are chastened, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. So the things that outwardly and the mark is put on those that is affecting them inwardly. And really we should be concerned if we go through troubles and trials and things that go wrong, things even that go right, blessings and things that should be caused to make us truly thankful for what the Lord has done. And it doesn't touch us. It doesn't change our prayers. How much do our prayers change with the things that we are going through? 
Or we just go through life and we always have the same prayer, irrespective. And the Lord says, I know what I've done to this person. I know what trials they're going through. I know what things I'm touching, but it's not, it's not changing their prayers. They're not seeking me. They're not crying unto me in their trouble. In Psalm 107, in all of the changes through that psalm, and each time they fell down, there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Then they praised him. This is one of David's troubles. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord delivered him. The other thing in this psalm, it's a case of where one has been blessed, and he's pointing others to the same blessing. One has been through a trial, a trouble, and been delivered, and he wants others to know this as well. He says, his soul, my soul, make her boast in the Lord. But then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. In other places we read, come and hear all ye that fear the Lord, and I will tell what he had done for my soul. The day that the Lord rose from the dead, we heard many reports. Those who had seen him went back to the disciples and told what they had seen. The two on the way to Emmaus, they told what was done in the way and how Jesus had shown himself to them. And this is what we, we term a Christian experience when those things that we pass through in our lives it brings us to the word of God. It brings us to prayer. It brings us to have deliverances and blessings that we want to pass on to others and others to hear of. The Lord did not send angels to preach the gospel. He sent sinners. The Apostle Paul was chief of sinners. He called himself and he was called to teach and to preach to sinners Peter, who denied his Lord those three times, it was the angel that bid uh, Cornelius to send to Joppa that he would come and speak to him words whereby all his house would be saved. The Lord has ordained that those that tell to others also first know those blessings in their own souls and their deliverances and able to point with an absolute certainty that we have known this blessing and we have received of the Lord this blessing not by report, not by reading it, but by personal experience. And that is what David is walking in here and he's desiring others to know it as well. In our text we read, They looked unto him. Who looked unto him? I believe he's pointing to those humble ones. In verse 2, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. What he has to say is to be good news for the humble ones. You would remember that one of the chief sins is pride. The pride of man, the pride of our first parents, the pride of Eve that would say, Well, though Satan is coming to me, and Adam is my head, I will manage this myself. The pride of man 
that would say we know better than the Lord. We will believe Satan and we will walk in his ways. Depart from us, man says, we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. But the Lord, when he would teach and he'd reprove his disciples when they were questioning who was the greatest in the way, he takes a little child and he sets them before him and he said, Whoso shall humble himself as this little child, the same is chiefest in the kingdom of heaven. And so the ones that are prepared to hear this blessing and what has been done for David and what the people of God have to say, they've been made ready for that, humbled and brought low. And you know, sometimes we have nice ideas of what it is to be humbled. You think, well, that's, that's a blessing. I'd like that blessing. But you know, when it is in practice, it's very real things that we've said wrong, done wrong. We're utterly ashamed of them. And even before men, uh, maybe we, like with, with Peter, he said before all of those round about him and before the Lord, though all men uh, forsake the yet will not I, but he had to prove it was him and he, had, he denied his Lord. And that's very, very humbling to be brought down in that way. And it is those, though, that are ready to receive salvation on God's terms and to listen to those who have been delivered. All the while that we can deliver ourselves and save ourselves, we won't look for someone else. If something goes wrong in our homes, if something went wrong with our car, if we were mechanically minded, we say, oh, we'll fix that. We won't go to a mechanic. Uh, if there was something that we uh, needed doing, if we could do it ourselves, we'd never seek to someone else. And it is with salvation, all the while that we are sufficient in our own eyes, we've always got some strength, some answer, some goodness to plead, something to stand by us, we will never seek unto the Lord. And so the ones that he is speaking to here is those that are the humble ones. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. <coughs> well, I want to look at three points this evening. Firstly, who it was they looked unto. They looked unto him. Who? Who was it they looked unto? The second thing is the effect on them. We read, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. It had an effect. And then thirdly, some of the characters who, from David's day, from this day, looked unto him. Some characters through scripture, where we see in a practical way how they did so. But firstly, who was it that they were looking unto? Well, this psalm itself is a messianic psalm. 
is a psalm that speaks of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We have in verse 20, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Many of the Lord's dear people have had their bones broken. One of the thieves that the cross did. We have in the verse prior to that, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Now it is true, the Lord's dear people are counted as righteous in the Lord. But there is only one truly righteous one. There is none righteous, no not one, says the scripture, as pointing to men and of their own. But the Lord Jesus Christ is he that is righteous and has a righteousness to give to a people that have none. It is Jehovah the Lord that is spoken of through here, and it is Jehovah who has provided that remedy and salvation, right from the very first promise of the seed of the woman to bruise the serpent's head, they were looking unto him to provide that promised seed and that redemption from death. Already they were under the sentence of death. Already each one of us, as we come into this world, already we are condemned to die. Our bodies must die. We are spiritually dead. We are under that curse and under the sentence of death. And so it is looking unto the Lord Jesus. It's looking unto God's provision. Our Lord said of Abraham, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced at it. There were those that said of our Lord, Thou art not yet fifty years of age, and hast thou seen Abraham? And the Lord said, Before Abraham was, I am. But Abraham, he saw the provision, he was able to say by faith to Isaac, when Isaac said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And Abraham saw that as substitutionary. It was a literal ram caught in the thicket by his horns to preserve it so that it would be spotless and worthy of the sacrifice. But also Abraham saw past that and he saw Christ dying. The Apostle Paul said the promise that was given to Abraham at that time was unto his seed, not of seeds which is many, but his seed which is Christ. All the promises of God are yea and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Job was another one of those before David's day that looked unto Christ. In his deep trials he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God for myself and not another. He had very clear views of his Redeemer, very clear views of the coming Messiah. So did Solomon after David. How that he viewed him and saw him in the temple and the type of the temple and coming to fill the temple. 
The heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I build thee, that will God in very deed dwell upon the earth. They were looking for him to come, looking and expecting the promised Messiah, expecting the Redeemer, the seed of the woman. You have in Hebrews all of that long list of those that lived and that died by faith, a long cloud of witnesses. And we are told that they they died not having received the promises uh, uh, that God providing some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. They died looking for, believing in the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. They walked by faith in him. And many examples are given of faith here, but the beautiful, concise description of true saving faith is in verse 13 to 16. Those are the really the most important verses in, in that chapter that apply to each one of us. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, that is, Christ did not come in their lifetime, they didn't see him come, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. These are the ones, they looked unto him, they looked unto him that was coming. The preparation in their hearts, they were strangers, they were pilgrims on this earth. This earth was not their rest. They were seeking that which was to come. And so we read, therefore, they that say such things declare plainly they seek a country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that isn't heavenly, Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And they're all looking unto him. Their expectation is from him. Their hope of redemption was from him. Perhaps to use an illustration. Save your children were wanting to go to university and you couldn't pay for university but someone said we will pay for you we will give you the money to have all of this training then you'd be looking to that person to provide what you knew was the difference between able to go to university or not that need was there, the person was there who said they'd provide that need and you'd be looking for that. If someone is ill, someone is unwell and there's an expectation, they hear about a surgeon, they hear about a doctor and they have to wait for the appointment, maybe a couple of months. But they're looking, their eye, their mind, their thoughts are on that person. They might not have seen them. They might not have met them. They've heard their name. They've heard their reputation. They've heard what they've done for other people. And so all the time they're looking. 
unto that person expecting that help from them. Some of the Lord's dear people have walked that path and when they've gone to that person after they've had a long time of waiting, maybe had years of uh, affliction, and that person hasn't been able to help them, they've realised that they've really been looking to man and not looking to God. And sometimes we, we need to be careful like that. But for the illustration, if we have a need of our soul, if we know that we are sinners, if we know that every sinner, the soul that sins, it shall die, and that we're all under condemnation, we think of the beautiful way Romans 8 starts, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But without, not in Christ Jesus, we are under condemnation. And it is a looking unto him. They looked unto him. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. This is the one, the only one, that those who are mindful of their sinnership, mindful of their danger, must look unto. And this is the testimony. They looked unto him. We have a beautiful picture with the children of Israel going through the wilderness. When they had sinned against the Lord and provoked the Lord, he sent fiery serpents amongst them. And they bit the people and many people were dying. And God said to Moses to raise up a brazen serpent and that they should then look to that brazen serpent. You know, that was a big camp. Some 600,000 just men, and much more than that. There must have been some that just saw it in the very distance, hardly any shape at all. But they looked unto him. They looked to that raised up, which was setting forth the Lord Jesus Christ made sin for us. Our Lord is very clear, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. It was a beautiful time, and it centres in what is in our text. They looked unto him, and you say, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But here is a poor sinner looking for everything from the Lord, that he would do everything for them. Again, Romans 8, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Salvation is of the Lord, and those that are looking for him are looking for him to do everything for them, to appear for them, to save them from their sins, save them from the power and dominion of sin here, to put them feelingly in the covenant, to make them believers, to bring them to trust in his name, to give them faith, and to give them a part with the people of God. How shall I put thee amongst the children? Well, it is bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that he gathers his people together. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And as they are gathered, they come unto him. And the Lord says, No man cometh unto me, except the Father which sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For those that are coming, they first look, and they come. And even when they come, then as the Apostle says, Let us run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. You won't get past that looking unto the Lord. And the Lord has so ordered it that when he had died and risen again, then he ascended up into heaven. He says, I must needs go away. If I go not away, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will not come unto you. But if I go away, I pray the Father, and he will give you another Comforter which shall abide with you forever. If the Lord was in some place, in some city in some nation on earth then the people of God would be looking on earth and they'd be looking to this particular city or or land but the way the Lord has ordered it they do not do that they are to look unto him where he is in heaven and it's so abundantly clear that he arose he ascended up into heaven he sat on the right hand uh, of the the throne of God, the Lamb as it had been slain in the midst of the throne. And when Stephen, the first martyr, was dying, he looked up, he saw the Lord standing to receive him in heaven when he was being stoned. The Lord has so directed it that his bodily presence, the very bones and flesh that hung upon the cross glorified are in heaven, they're not on earth, not in any tomb, they're in heaven. And the Lord shall come with power, without sin at the last day, power and great glory. And the people of God are looking for him. But the Lord has given their promise, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, with his people, by his Spirit and by his grace. Great is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ, very truly God, everywhere, omnipresent, knowing all things, is everywhere, all-powerful, the Lord Jesus is. But his bodily presence in heaven and his presence as God, always, everywhere in this earth, and special promises where the people of God are gathered together in his name. I, if I be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men unto him. They looked unto him. They looked unto him whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him and be in bitterness for him. And in the gospel we lift the Lord Jesus Christ up on that pole of the gospel. And the effect then, when the people of God look unto him, is shown in our second point. I hope it is when we come into the house of God that we're looking unto him. As you might say, we're looking unto a minister. We look look past the minister and it may be that you see Christ, no man but Christ only, on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what's said 
of the disciples, no longer Moses, no longer Elijah, but Jesus only. May we be like the Greeks, sirs, we would see Jesus. We would look unto him for our soul's salvation. Look unto him to save us from our sins. Look unto him to deliver us from our temptations. Look unto him to work salvation in our hearts and form a people for his praise. I hope that is what we are doing. Looking unto him. But then secondly, we have the effect. The effect of seeing him. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. The burden that they had was gone. The darkness, the bondage was gone. The effect, you know when I was thinking about this and my mind went to when the Lord was first working in my heart and I thought what a wonderful token this is actually. The effect is a, is a wonderful thing. You might be able to say, well, I'd like to say, well, this text was blessed to me and that verse was blessed to me. Sometimes you might not have any verse or any text or any sermon, but you remember the effect. Paul is able to tell when the Lord met with him on the Damascus Road, and yes, you can hear the words that the Lord said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? But you think of the effect. The effect on even those that were travelling. The effect on Saul. What a different man he was before and after that time. Festus, when he is told about that experience, he says, Paul, you're mad. Much learning doth make you mad. And he can despise what Paul is saying about the vision but he couldn't undo what had happened in Paul's life. So that instead of persecuting the people of God, now he was with the people of God. He was calling on the same name as what he was persecuting people for calling upon. A new creature in Christ, a new birth, a change. You mentioned Bunyan this morning. When he came upon the cross, up to that time he still had the burden of his sin. But when he looked upon that cross, that burden rolled off his back. It is through the Lord alone that sin is removed. He is the sin bearer. You know, I thought back. And I thought back of some of the blessings that I had. You know, one of them. One of the first ones, no words at all. But I'd gone days and days under temptation, the sins and wickedness of my heart. And I was at my desk at home studying, I was in the early 20s. And 
I just bowed down on that desk. I said, Lord, take it all away. Deliver me from these sins and these evils, this evil heart and these vile things within. And Lord, in a moment, he took away. And there was such a quietness. You know, I got up from that desk. It was like the sky was more blue. Everything was lightened, a burden from off me. The change, I can remember that so very, very clearly. And I thought as I read this, how clearly that describes it. They were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. Another blessing I had in that way, some of you here have heard me say it before, again in early 20s, 23, starting a new job, and the Lord beginning, Lord working in my heart, and I felt I should, in the common room at work, bow down my head and ask a blessing on the food. In the midst of all of these that were ungodly people, but you know I was too ashamed. I couldn't do it. And day after day I went home so ashamed, crying to the Lord to forgive me for denying him and not being able to overcome the fear of man. And that went on for nearly three months. And then the Lord came and he blessed my soul. And you know the next day I went into that room. I never worried about what man thought or what said. I bowed down my head. I asked a blessing. And then I started bringing my Bible and bringing in the religious magazines. And those were blessed times in that lunchroom in the midst of all the people round about. And I never forget the effect of the blessing that I had was to make me not ashamed of the Lord. It took away the fear of man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And you think of Peter. Even a maid. He could not stand before a maid. He had to deny the Lord. And we are the same if left. And the difference of just having the light of the word. The light of the Lord upon the word. You know, another time reading of Jacob wrestling with the angel. There wrestled an angel with him to the breaking of the day. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He blessed him there. He said he wrestled a man with him. And that time that I was reading that, the Lord shone upon that word man. That was the Lord Jesus Christ before he became incarnate. That was one of those pre-incarnation appearances. Why? Why was he given the name of Israel? Thou hast wrestled with God and with man and hast prevailed. And Jacob had a lasting, went halting on his thigh. And what's more, the blessing that he had when he saw Esau, and Esau was peaceable to him, he said, I have seen thy face as the face of an angel. Why? Because he saw the answer to his wrestling, his prayers. He got what he wanted, what he needed from the Lord. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. 
You cannot think that the Lord would visit a sinner under the burden of sin, troubled by sin, and bless that soul and deliver them from that burden and show that burden laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He had laid on him the iniquity of us all and that leave that person untouched. Our text is so true that those that look upon him and truly see him as their saviour and their redeemer say like dear Thomas, my Lord and my God, doubting Thomas, unbelieving Thomas, as soon as he saw the Lord, took all of his doubtings and all of his unbelief all the way. He didn't need to put in his finger to the nail prints. He didn't need to thrust in his hand to his side. He has seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord, they said. And in the end, in that upper room, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. At baptizing services, often it is the custom in our churches to sing that hymn, Ashamed of Jesus. Yes, I may, when I have no sins to wash away. And each one of those lines of that hymn, it speaks of that, not being ashamed. And the blessing of the Lord, it will make one not ashamed of the Lord. Want then to look at a few of those characters that are set forth in the word that they looked unto him. They looked unto the Lord. And it was in times of times of trouble. We think of godly Jehoshaphat and you can read that in 2 Chronicles and chapter 20. And he had those of Moab and Mount Seir, those of the children of Ammon, came against him, a great multitude against Judah. And Jehoshaphat, we read in verse 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. They did know what to do. They were looking unto him. But they did not want to know what to do in anything else. But that's a good word, isn't it? We, we prove this as well. Things in providence, things in our souls. Many times in the position, like we said of Psalm 107, they fell down, none to hell, none to hell. Here. But their eyes were unto the Lord. And what happened? The Lord spoke to them through the prophet Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, told them they would not need to fight in that battle. And they went forth, they believed. They went forth singing the praises of the Lord. What a contrast. One moment crying unto the Lord, we have no might, we don't know what to do. And the next moment we have... The word given from the Lord and Jehoshaphat is encouraging the people and strengthening them 
to, to go forth and to praise the Lord. Jehoshaphat, he says, as they went forth, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And they went forth singing praises, and the Lord said, Every man's sword against each other, and they were delivered. They did not need to fight. They saw the wonderful appearance of the Lord. And salvation is of the Lord. We look upon what the Lord has accomplished, what the Lord has done, his finished work at Calvary, his work of redemption. So Jehoshaphat was one of those characters that looked unto the Lord. Another one was the godly Hezekiah. You know, Hezekiah, he not only had Assyria going against him, but he also also sick at that same time, sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, he came to him and said that he would just set his house in order because he would die and not live. In Hezekiah, we read this in Isaiah 38 and verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. He looked unto the Lord. And the Lord appeared for him immediately. Isaiah had to turn back. But we read again what the outward was, what was happening. He was sick unto death and Assyria was coming. But what was happening in Hezekiah's heart. What was going on in his soul? And you read this in Isaiah, not that you, you don't read it in the other accounts in the Kings of Chronicles. But the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness, I said, In the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave, I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. Now he goes through all of what is going on in his soul. You can read these things in, in, in Isaiah 38. But then he says in verse 16, O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. God uses sickness, trials, troubles to make the souls of his people live. You might think if you had a nice life with no sin to trouble you and no enemies and no trials and troubles, you'd be a good Christian. You wouldn't, you know. You wouldn't have a need of the Lord. You wouldn't seek him. Whenever him say, sinners can say, and none but they, how precious is the Saviour. Well, Hezekiah, he proved that blessing that not only gave him life, and one of Hezekiah's burdens, of course, would have been if he'd have died at that point, there was no line to Christ. Those 15 years that were added were 15 years in which Manasseh was born. And that was vital. And those that were looking for Christ, looking for the promised seed that knew the line that it was to go through, would have been very concerned, very burdened. 
Then we have Jonah. Jonah, the unwilling servant, the runaway servant. The Lord provides the fish when he's thrown into the sea. It swallows up Jonah, a prepared fish. But what a position that he was in. How could he deliver himself from that position? We read of his prayer in the whale's belly. Cast out of the sight of the Lord, I go down to the depths of the sea. Weeds are about my head. And as he cries unto the Lord, he says, Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish and vomited him out on the dry land. He looked unto the Lord. What does he say in his prayer? Yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. Not just the literal temple. No, looking unto what it set forth. Looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in that he's similar to Daniel. With Daniel, they had sought to find occasion against him. They said we won't except in the matter of his God. And so they deceived the king into making a law that if any man for 30 days would pray to any other but him, they should be cast into den of lions. Daniel, he knew, when he knew that writing was signed, he just continued doing what he always did. And I've said this many times, but if we would be prepared for times of persecution, we have now when we don't have persecution, have a routine, a life, that when persecution comes and you ask yourself, what should I do now? The answer is, do exactly what you've always done. Because that's what Daniel did. Daniel went and prayed three times a day as he always did. He didn't say, well, I used to pray in my closet But now, just in defiance, I'm going to open my window so everyone sees me and I'm going to pray towards Jerusalem. No, he'd always done that and he did exactly the same as he'd always done. And it's good for us to do that. You know, if it was said that there was a law made that uh, we were not allowed to pray or not allowed to go to the house of God, would it be that we'd have to say, well, we we better start going to the house of God because, uh, well, how can it be persecution if, if I don't even go? And so we should think on this to set for ourselves in a time of peace a pattern, a way, a path that we would continue even in time of persecution But Daniel was looking, looking to Jerusalem. But Daniel, the temple is destroyed. It's a mass of rubble. It's burnt. Why are you looking there? But he was looking to what it set for. Looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking to that time that the 70 years finished and the temple to be rebuilt again. Daniel was one of those that looked unto him. And what a wonderful deliverance he had The Lord has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. 
And of course we have those in the New Testament. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, suffered much at the hand of physicians, and yet she comes to the Lord, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. As soon as she touched, made whole. The woman with her sick daughter, the Canaanitish woman, coming and yet, though put off and though discouraged even by the disciples and the Lord himself tries her, she comes, Lord, help me. And the Lord says, Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Those that looked unto him, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. May we be amongst them. May we join this number of they looked unto him. That we be able to say this describes us. And we can join in some of the other cries in this psalm. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. How many times have we walked in the Psalms and said, David, you're saying, come and magnify the Lord with me. And we can, and we will, and we desire to do the same. And you say to the church of God, come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will tell what he had done for my soul. In a way, that is what David is doing here. So may this be, us bound up in this verse, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Amen.